Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk joining you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get your podcast from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse here in Starkville or at Brupolo. Over in Tupelo, it would be weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Walnut Grove. Oh, yes, it would. Uh, that's that's not a, what you would expect. No, I, I've been through Walnut Grove. I actually had there's a uh, there's a nice fish house Ooh. in Walnut Grove that they actually catered my re- re- uh, rehearsal dinner for really? my wedding. It okay. was outstanding. What's the name of this place? Do you remember? Um. I want to say it's just like Walnut Grove Fish House or something. All right. Well, we need to find out about that. The fried catfish? Oh, yes. But they have it. You know, they have all they have all the stuff. They have, you know. Let's just go the on the offers that they're on on uh, on, on the, uh, the, the, the internet here. It's kind of like, you know, in the middle of nowhere. The, the Fish House of Walnut Grove. There you go. Very good. You would you would enjoy oh, it. I know you would some enjoy good it. looking catfish there too. What is that? Oh, that's a steak. That's a good looking steak too. Any plate? Okay. Again, you know, one of the signs of quality in a restaurant. If you go to a restaurant and they give you the baked potato wrapped in aluminum foil at the table, it's still wrapped in aluminum foil. It's a good restaurant. Yes. I mean, there's no, it's just, it's just, that's as old school as it gets right there. Yeah, I would I would go eat at this place. There's no you, way. you absolutely would enjoy it, <clears throat> and I, like I mean, it's it's right down the road from where my uh, wife and her family live. Uh huh. So you know, like it was kind of like a an easy like catering deal for us. Yeah. And I thought it was really good, and then I went to the actual physical place mm-hmm. and really enjoyed it. So if you're ever around, I don't know if you're if I don't know if people are ever going to be like around Walnut Grove unless they're actually going there, but if you're ever there. You need to go to this place. They haven't yeah, made a Facebook post since 2009. That's a good sign, in my opinion. <laughs> and also on their intro, it says now serving chicken livers. Again, a sign oh, of quality. Go. I love a fry, I love fried chicken livers, so I'll eat those. There used to be a place in Louisville called the the Catfish House. Yeah. I think it was the Catfish House or I forget what it was called, but it's in a broke. It was like in a broken down building. It's right off of Highway uh, Twenty Five. Um, on it's on Highway Fourteen, but it's like right there at the stop sign what, where Walmart is. And you'll see it if you're coming through Louisville from Startville. You'll see it right there on the right. That place was, as Mike Leach would say, utterly outstanding. He would really love that place. They had Shitlands in there. Mm. They had the big buffet, catfish buffet. Yeah. 
uh, it was it was outstanding. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, if 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 C Spire, you know, C Spire, they do all these 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 things for their their TV network. If they want to have Brian and Robbie traveling the state and finding these little restaurants and showing people, where, we'll do it. We don't. And we I know we're, I know where a bunch of, of them. I know where a bunch of them are. I've and been to a bunch of them. Our listeners I, would tell us where the rest of them were. I, I'm open to trying more because there's there's one of those places in just about every small town in Mississippi. We would not require a huge salary to do that. We, that would be awesome, like a summer tour. Like yeah. we go here in the summer, and yeah. Spire follows us, and we yeah. give these places like we could do podcast live at these places one day. I mean, I, this is this is an idea. We're, you we're, talk we're, to we, your people. We may pursue this. We'll see. We'll see. You talk to your people. I'm down for this. Well, all of that to tell you that strangebrewcoffeehouse.com is the place to find the coffee you're looking for. If you want to wake up every morning, just like the folks here do here in Starville and Tupelo do, head over to, to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. I don't know how we got there, but we did. A strange Brew is one of those places now. Strange they is are, one of those places you got to go to. one of those places here in Mississippi. I agree. I agree. Uh, College Corner and collegecornerstore.com. You guys have... Uh, I'm looking for stuff to, to to advertise there. Everything's they're sold out, man. You guys have hit them up. Thank you. We appreciate your support of our sponsors. Whatever you're looking for, maroon and white. If they don't have it, they're gonna get it. So keep checking in, and I'll keep tweeting out some links here and there. College Corner still, and of course, if you go to their locations there in Jackson and original by Fleet Feed and Flow with a half shell, the shelves are still full of great Mississippi State merchandise. Check them out. Those two locations or shop at collegecornerstore.com tonight. Is the night. Restaurant Tyler will see Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk. And I will have to pick up the tap. That's that's fine by me because that means I get to eat at Starkville's flagship restaurant. I don't know what Robbie's going to order. I know what I'm going to order. I know I know at least one thing I'm going to order. I know at least two things that I'm going to order now that I think about it. So we're going to have some appetizers. We're going to get some crawfish dip. We're going to get some barbecue okra. And then we'll figure it out from there. Good. Yeah. Right. Yes. Making sure. I, I, I didn't know you were you were you know okay. talking right. to me. I wanted to make sure that we're on the same page there. So oh, we're on the same page, my friend. <laughs> Next time you're in Starville, when you want to eat a great lunch, the best blue plate in town, or if you want to have a fine dinner, both options are at the same place. That's Restaurant Tyler, Firehouse Subs. Uh, we are coming up on the end of Firehouse Subs uh, relationship with us here on uh, on Thunder and Lightning. We certainly appreciate them being a sponsor of us for so long. And we even, even as we leave, as they leave us, we want to remind you, the guys, Firehouse Subs is a great place to go grab lunch, great sub sandwiches. And with their Firehouse Subs app, you can get reward points faster than just about anybody else is offering out. So you can be eating a free sandwich. So if you're in Starville, Oxford, Tupelo, Columbus, Florida, and Madison, today for lunch, why don't you head over to Firehouse Subs? That was a long ad read, but the Fish House discussion was totally worth it. If you're on Twitter, and you follow us, and you want to tell us what your favorite Mississippi fish house is, let us know. So if you got pictures, even better. Well, we got, you know, they got Jerry's in Florence. Jerry's. It's always a, a great one. Yeah, it's a good one. That's a very um, good one. There was one in Knoxapater. used to be one in Knoxapater called the Catfish Opry. That place was great. It sounds good. It just sounds good. Had so a little, Pittsburgh, a little music. A kid, the two places were Top of the River, which was just catfish. Fantastic catfish, though. And then the Lucky Fisherman, which was a seafood buffet of epic proportions back in the day. And that's where every year our head football coach would take the seniors after the season for dinner. And Buddy, 
talk about putting a hurting on somebody. You've never seen you never seen plates of fried seafood getting eaten like that when me and my guys were there. So that was a good time. The lucky fisherman. That, that, that was a good that was a big time. Like if, if mom and dad were like, hey, we're going to Lucky Fisherman tonight, that, that's a good night in Vicksburg back in the day. Uh, oh, yeah. We got to start the show off with our correspondent because the big story of the day is whatever happened at the hump. Robbie and I don't know at this time, but he knows. Let's go over to our one and only correspondent here on Thunder and Lightning, Future Brian. Thank you, guys. This is Future Brian reporting to you from the future. Mississippi State does indeed fall to Alabama in their first uh, SEC game of the season, a game that saw Mississippi State. I, I can't. I don't know if I'm stealing this from present day Brian or what, but they were absolutely putrid offensively and from the free throw line in this game. 78-67 is the final. I'll be totally honest with you. If you had told me prior to this game that State was going to score 67 points, I would have thought they had a really, really good chance to win. But I could not have possibly predicted State to go 18 of 36 from the free throw line. And for Tolu Smith, who's been State's best player now for a couple of years, to have the worst night of his career, one of seven from the floor and three of 15 from the free throw line. State missed enough free throws to win this game comfortably, and they did not. They just did not. Um, They shot the ball 36% from the field, 20 of 55, 9 of 24, and uh, as I said, 18 of 36 they forced 19 Alabama turnovers, so Alabama sort of stayed with their uh, the theme we talked about. There, they turned the ball over more than they had assists, but State just couldn't hit shots, uh, and they scored you know a few buckets late in the game, but they just couldn't hit shots. And they did enough defensively, I think. You know, especially early in the game, they made that game ugly. They 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 kept pounding away on Alabama, but Alabama eventually got going. I now I understand the Brandon Miller hype. Now that kid is a special talent. 19 points. He was 5 of 10 from three-point range. That's insane. Uh, with 11 rebounds to go with that. And uh, yeah, and then Mark Sears, who we talked about as well, 20 points for him, 4 of 8 from three-point range. Uh, just just a quality night shooting for Alabama. You know, State held them under their, their season average. I thought, like I said, defensively, I thought State did enough. And I thought State's strategy was good to get to the free-throw line and try to win it there, try to get some easy points. 36 free throw attempts, you should win every time you play. That should be close to 33, 32 points that they're just giving you. But State could not take advantage of it. Tolu Smith was to the point where if you're a basketball fan, or I'm sorry, a baseball fan, and I talk about like Steve Blass or Mackie Sasser, where you have the yips and can't throw the ball, that's what it felt like with him. It, 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 he just felt like every time he went to the free throw line, he knew it wasn't going to go in, and he, he was no matter what he did. Um, and he, he just he struggled the entire night, and he wasn't alone. Obviously, uh, you know, like I said, there's a team they missed 18 free throws, but he does have 12 of those misses. So what? 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 what, what let me do the math here. So state without him is 15 of 21 off the line. Is that what I'm, I'm getting? Yeah. Ish. Ish. I really can't believe how bad Tolu was. And I mean, and like I said, I'm not trying to put the, the, the loss on him. You know, his teammates, they didn't do enough either. State did not shoot the ball well enough. Deshaun Davis, 2 of 11 from the field. I didn't even realize he had that many shots, guys. 
and just I just looked at the stat line. I was like, wow, he shot the ball that many. He just he didn't have anything going. Uh, DJ Jeffries was three of nine from the field. Cam Matthews one of five. I mean, when you look at your starting lineup, and you go what four, five, seven, ten of 16, 21, 32, 38, 10 of thirty eight from your starters. I mean, that's just not a way to win. That's just not a way to win. And Alabama did enough. Um, let's get some credit where it's due to a couple things. First off, we'll start with the crowd. They showed up. The hump was packed. I thought I, I, I never saw. Let me see if I can find it here on the uh, attendance was listed at ninety eight oh three. That might be a little high, but it's not too bad. That that's about what it was. There were a ton of people in the hump. It felt good. It felt like the old hump at times. The team on the floor just couldn't quite bring enough to the uh, to the game to get the crowd the way they want going the way you wanted them to. But everybody showed up, and that that's a good sign. And I think I think I think state played well enough to merit consideration to return to the hump. You know, and we'll see what happens this weekend when they play uh, when they play Tennessee. Tennessee scraped by Ole Miss. Uh, earlier today uh, in Oxford, so we'll see. You know what what happens with the, the Vols. Obviously, that's a game that's going to be uh, on the road. Uh, that's a that's a Tuesday game uh, on January the third, and then you have the the big one with Ole Miss. But I feel pretty confident that people will return for the Ole Miss game, kind of regardless of uh, what happens with Tennessee. You know, I was thinking about that tonight, and. and this is the truth of this matter, and and you guys all know it, that nobody thought Mississippi State was going to beat Alabama and Tennessee back in September or October or even in November. So don't be surprised when they don't beat them in December. I saw. I felt like, for the most part, the fans that I was dealing with on Twitter, for they were upset about the performance, but not overly upset about the team. There's not a lot of you know. Oh, I knew this team was gonna suck. I, I didn't get. I didn't get that. I didn't get the meltdowns. It's and it's perfectly acceptable to be okay. It's perfectly okay to be mad about a team shooting 18 of 36 from the free throw line. I've never seen anything. I, I need to know. I, I need to have somebody at the SEC do the research. That's that. I want to know how if that's the most free throw attempts ever in a loss. Normally, if you shoot that many free throws, you are almost guaranteed to win the game. Because if you shoot even 80%, that that's 28 points. I mean, you can easily find another 50 points from the field. Goodness. I can't get over that that, that free throw line. I just can't. It's 18 and, and Tolu being 3 of 15. You know, if he if he hits 12 of 15, State wins the game. Well, do they? No, they, he's 12 of 15. He would have 9. No, they still lose by 2. But the game is different. And, of course, he's 1 of 7 from the floor, too. Normally, he around around the basket. Tolu's touch is pretty good, pretty soft touch. He can he can, he can get those rolls. He can use the iron, just not tonight. And I, I don't know if Alabama got into his head. I don't know if the big crowd threw him off. And I mean, I, I thought about that. I was like, maybe you know, he's just not used to playing in front of this many people here in this building. I don't know what it was with Tolu, but he picked a terrible time to have the worst game. The good news is this. I mean, I don't feel like that's. I, I don't feel like it's going to be like that every game. Now, shooting wise, they got to figure some things out, obviously. But I, I don't believe they're going to shoot free throws like this every game. They haven't done that before. 
And I don't believe Tolu Smith will play this poorly again. So, you know, next game when he, out when he has 15 to 20 points and, you know, 10, 10 rebounds, everybody will forget about this. It's just a bad night. But this is still a, a – the defense did show up. They played great defense up until the end when Alabama just started. When they started to press, they started to try to, to overplay things and try to create some turnovers. And it, it left Alabama with some open looks, and they're a team that can hit open looks. But I think Al- they gave Alabama everything they wanted tonight up until the final minutes of the uh, the second half. So I, I, I don't take too much away from this other than to say I think defensively State can go toe-to-toe with anybody in the, in the SEC. So... I don't I don't I'm not overly worried about what I saw tonight at the Humphrey Coliseum. I think this team will be fine. They just got they have to win the games they're supposed to win and try to pick out maybe one game that they aren't supposed to win. And if they can do that, they're gonna be just fine. So all right. Uh, let's go back to the guys, but before we do that, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by our good friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council, who want to remind you that beef is what's for dinner. I'm just saying, I I I I, I keep I can't get enough. Of, I follow. I don't know if you guys look at this this website, uh, Reddit. They do a barbecue page where it's just people putting pictures of their their the meat they cook. And the holiday season was all prime rib and tenderloin. And I'm just here to tell you, it looked great. A buddy of mine did a whole beef tenderloin, and I he said somebody in his family complained about it. I was just like, buddy, anytime you want to cook one of those for me, I pr- I won't say a word. <laughs> How can it be bad? I saw the pictures. Thing was perfectly cooked. I couldn't believe it. Don't be that guy. Somebody cooks you a whole beef tenderloin, you just say thank you. That's the kind of person you should be. Anybody who wants to cook that kind of red meat for you, they are your friend. The Mississippi Beef Council is your friend as well. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers was buzzing before this game. I knew there was going to be a big crowd when Robbie Falk uh, was telling me that every restaurant downtown in the Cotton District was just slam-packed full of people. Uh, and Two Brothers was definitely one of them. Hopefully you guys got in there and enjoyed a great meal uh, before this game tipped off. And anytime you're back at Starkville, if you're back next Saturday for the Ole Miss game, head to Two Brothers before the game or after the game and get a fantastic meal that you can't get anywhere else. Only at Two Brothers can you find smoked Southern Soul food. Advantage Business Systems makes it really easy for you. Great products and great service. And everybody likes to promise that. But can everybody deliver 47 years worth of receipts? I think not. When you need technology for your business, call Advantage Business Systems. And when you need to get service on something, you get to talk to the same guy who made you the sale. That's a huge difference. You're not talking to somebody you've never met and you have no relationship with. You're talking to somebody who knows you, know your family, know your kids. Because that's the kind of relationship they build with their customers at Advantage Business Systems. Call them today at 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. I ran into a, uh, a fan of Thunder and Lightning tonight he wearing a badass quarter zip maroon with the state script. And he just looked at me and like, I got this from the Rogue because of you. Thank you. Keep doing it. You look great, sir. Tell your friends. And if, if, if you don't like it, tell an enemy. But you're going to like it because the collegiate collection at the Rogue is the best around. Great-looking polos and quarter zips. They've got the logos you want. They've got the name brands that you trust, and they provide the service of the Rogue, one of the the South's best clothing stores, period. You don't want to live the three-stripe life anymore? You want to make it easy on yourself? Shop at the Rogue. All right, thanks to Future Brian. Wonder what happened, Robbie. We don't know. 
I'm excited to find out. The suspense is killing me. It's killing me. It's killing me. All right, let's talk some football here. Uh, We're about to get to this interview in just a minute, but Illinois, the Illinois team Mississippi State's going to play is not the same Illinois team that went eight and four and was within, uh, you know, a play or two of playing for a Big Ten championship. Uh, Huge. They've had big opt outs. You you remember last year when State lost Charles Cross as an opt out? That was a big opt out, but that was really the only one, right? Everybody else that missed the game kind of missed it due to, due to the COVID issues. This time around, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about their leading rusher, who's one of the best running backs in the country, Chase Brown, well over 1,000 yards this year. And I think three starters in their secondary. And it, they play one passing team this year, Purdue. Everybody else in the Big Ten, you know, is kind of a run-first team. Purdue is the only passing team they play. So you're playing an offense that you don't see a lot of that wants to pass the ball a lot, and you're missing – a lot of your best players, including your Thorpe Award finalists. Whereas Mississippi State, as far as we know, we haven't gotten confirmation, but as far as we think, I guess, Manuel Forbes is playing for Mississippi State. And of course, the other issue for Illinois is they're missing their defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters. He's he's headed on to Purdue. He's now the head coach there. Robbie, it just feels like, on the surface, Mississippi State has some, some advantages here that Illinois... They just can't make up because they they have they're going to have to play so much new and inexperienced personnel. Yeah, I mean, you lose one of the best running backs in school history, one of the best running backs in the country this past year. You lost your top two cornerbacks. One of them was a Thorpe Award finalist. Mm-hmm. That's got to create some concern there for that team. You know, Mississippi State was in this position last year. They lost their best corner. They lost their their best offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of guys out. I forgot COVID. Emerson had opted out. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when when you think about that, and that's a significant blow. I mean, this is not Alabama that we're talking about that can replace players like that with, you know, five star, four star players. So it's it's going to be a drop off. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you're talking about the backup running back, I think, had, what, like 60 carries, something maybe less than that. I, I can't remember exactly. You can you can handle that for me. Yeah, I'm but he's, he's definitely not going to have the production that they had with their starter, who, like I said, was one of the top running backs in the country this year. So, I mean, it's – you're going up against a defense that's, that has basically all of its top players out there on um, Monday. And a really good run defense now with Jaden Crumity's back. And um, you got, you know, Cam Young in the middle and, and the linebackers, of course, from Mississippi State. So taking away your best offensive piece, that's going to be a significant blow, I think. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you're talking about a defense that's facing a Mississippi State offense that's going to pass the ball significantly more than just about anybody else they've played this year. So you're going to have to defend the pass with your secondary guys and, you know, your secondary, secondary guys, I guess you would say, when losing your top two guys at corner. So it's – I think Mississippi State right now has the advantage from a roster standpoint, and they probably were about, you know, neck and neck, if not Mississippi State having the advantage from the roster standpoint with Illinois having their, their full arsenal. So State comes in this ball game, they should be the favorites of what they got. Now it's just about going out there and executing. And how does this team execute – Without Mike Leach, I don't know. We, you're going to have a new play caller on the offensive side of the ball. Looks like Zach Garnett's going to handle the defensive side, but I don't know you know, how things are with the coaching staff right now and who's handling what. 
But, uh, you know, Mississippi State, obviously, right now coming in this game, has the most continuity considering the coaching staffs, even with the loss of, of Mike Leach, because Illinois lost some coaching staff pieces as well. Good job by you on that. On that, I, I may have been a guest, but it was educated. Reggie Love had 59 carries uh, for for Illinois this year as the second leading rusher. Uh, number two, obviously, was or number one was Chase Brown, 328 carries. So, I mean, that is just a massive, massive difference for them. Another thing that's interesting about Illinois' passing stats is their leading receiver, Isaiah Williams, 72 catches on the season. Right? How many yards would you guess on 72 catches? Uh, 600. I don't know if you know this or you're just guessing and really good, but it's 595. <laughs> I swear is, to God. I, I think he was a wide receiver stats. only averaging 8.3 yards a catch. That's that's on 72 catches. That's a really surprising number. You would just expect that number to be closer to a thousand yards. And they had Your a offense couple, is not. You know, their offense is not high-powering. It's like very that. old school. It's run the football, field position. It, it's it's as close to the old three yards in a cloud of dust. I mean, Tommy DeVito is their quarterback who's not much of a running threat. Completed, you know, 70% of his pass is very good, but 15 touchdowns to four interceptions, only 2,300 yards pass, 2,400 yards passing on the season. I mean, they play a very conservative offense, and their best piece is gone. You know, you don't want to be overconfident, but there's just a lot that points to it that do you think Mississippi State's going to be able to hold this Illinois team under 20 points? And if that's the case, I feel pretty good about State's chances to win. Well, earlier this month, um, when all the stuff was happening with Mississippi State and when we felt like Emmanuel Forbes was probably leaving, um, well, not leaving, but sitting out the bowl game, and there could be some other pieces. I mean, you'd lost basically your top two running backs. You expected to lose Jaquavius Marks. Well, now you got Marks back, and Emmanuel Forge is playing in the game. It looks like everybody on the defensive side is locked in. You should be good, good enough on the offensive side with the guys coming back that you feel pretty good. A lot has changed in the last couple of weeks with Illinois opt-outs. They've had some guys, some coaching um, staff members leave. I mean, right now, Mississippi State is, is – you feel like pretty locked in on this game. I feel good about Mississippi State playing in this game. I feel good about their chances. And uh, for Illinois, with an offense that was already, you know, not very high-powering, not great, to take away your best piece, that's to me, that it feels like that is going to be crushing for them on the offensive side of the ball. So I've already felt okay about, about Mississippi State on the defensive side. I feel like they're going to be able to do a really good job. It's really up to the, to the offense to execute at a high level and to score some points, and you should feel pretty good about this game. What yeah, what is the what's the spread right now? I haven't looked at that. The last time I looked, and I'll, I'll double check for you right now. But the last time I looked, at State was a one and a half point favorite. So let's see here. Uh, scrolling down, State it's a one point favorite. I mean, it, it can't be any closer. That's kind of surprising that it's still there. It's 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 because Mike Leach is gone. It's because people, that, it's impossible probably... to gauge how State's going to play from an emotional standpoint. Yeah. And that, that's just, it's just as simple as that. They don't know if State's going to come out motivated or going to come out and just be emotionally exhausted. That You just don't know. You can't know. So, yeah. th- honestly, Robbie, I, I think we're going to know how this game is going to go in, like, the first 10 plays. You, you, yeah. If State comes out and, and they're obviously fired up and motivated, it's going to be okay. 
But if, if they come out there and they just look like they're going through the motions and you'll know, you'll know pretty quickly, then it's just going to be, it is what it is. All right. We got another interview. Uh, like I said, it's reunion week here on the pod. Our friend Matthew Stevens covers Illinois for IlliniGuys.com. I talked to him earlier today. He's already down in Tampa getting ready to cover this game. Let's get his thoughts on Mississippi State, Illinois, and sort of to feed off of what we've been talking about, these losses for Illinois personnel and coaching-wise, how they're going to affect the Illini in this bowl game. As I said on Monday, it's, it's reunion week here on uh, on Thunder and Lightning. We're bringing back some of our old friends. Matthew Stevens covers Illinois for Illini guys up there in Big Ten country. Good to have you back on the podcast, my friend. Illinois, you know, we were, we were talking on today's pod about what Illinois is missing. You know, they're missing some big pieces from opt-outs, from, from coaching changes. Let's start with Ryan Walters. What does his departure mean for this Illinois defense, specifically for this game? Specifically for this game, it means that Aaron Henry is going to be the defensive coordinator for the first time in his life. Um, and uh, Ryan was a huge piece to why Illinois is eight and four, why Illinois was ranked, why Illinois at one point had, you know, the the was in the driver's seat to to get it to Indianapolis to have sixty minutes to possibly get to Pasadena. Um, you know, there's there's a reason why Illinois had statistically one of the best defenses in the country, if not the best defense in the country and in FBS this year, Ryan Walters was a huge part of that. Uh, his ability to, you know, kind of do what Leach did offensively, I would say is that, I mean, Ryan's call sheet was on a, was on a note card. It wasn't like the big waffle house menu. You see these guys use either on both sides of the ball. Ryan had a, had a note card and it was like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to make it really, really simple for you. And the guys just ate that up. And and then his aggressiveness is what kind of transformed this Illini defense. They, they obviously when Bielema took the job in, in December of 2020, um, they, they immediately went to what they wanted in a three, four style, but, but Ryan never allowed the formation to dictate what they were going to do. He was going to be aggressive no matter what they decided to do. And and there were times that they 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 showed an odd man front. There were times they showed a four man traditional front. Um, that was all Ryan. It was just hey, let's get our best eleven out there for as long as we can. And um and 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 Ryan kind of played off the idea that Bielema and and the, the offensive side kind of want to control the tempo and 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 you know win the time of possession game. They uh, they basically decided that if we're going to do that on offense, Ryan, you can go do whatever you want to do on defense from an aggressive standpoint, and Ryan ate that up. And so um, it's a big loss for Illinois for this particular game because I think it, we're going to get a chance to see if Aaron Henry's you know call sheet and his ability to call a defense for the first time and again his in his life is going to be uh, is going to be affected by Ryan Walters and Kevin Kane because guys, let me explain to everybody like th- this is a team effort at Illinois. Brett Bielema, Kevin Kane, Ryan Walters, and Andy Boo, who all have defensive coordinator experience, would get in a room in the week and, and you know, divvy out the game plan. Um, and Kevin Kane was your eyes in the sky. He's not there anymore either. So um, there's a couple of coaches that are missing, and I think the preparation could be a little bit different for you're using graduate assistants and you're using, you know, student assistants at outside linebacker and potentially at some maybe safety spots that Illinois is going to have some some new players in. So this is this is a this is going to be a big test for for what Mississippi State's going to throw at them offensively. And then you know the personnel, obviously. Chase Brown, one of the best running backs in the country, he's out for this one. He's opted out. Uh, in the secondary, two big pieces out, and you're playing an air raid team. In your opinion, what's the bigger loss, offense or defense? 
I think defense because you saw like in the Michigan game when they, you know, again, you know, Taz Nicholson's been out for a while. So they've had they've had to reshuffle corners and, and nickels the way they've had to do them um throughout the year. He wasn't in the Michigan game. And you saw in that last drive where Michigan was able to get down the field and score score a field goal to win that game. There were a lot of freshmen and there were a lot of redshirt freshmen out of there in that defensive secondary. And and now Devin Witherspoon's not going to be there to cover them up. You know, this yeah, I think Devin Witherspoon is a bigger piece to lose. I know that sounds weird, but He's he's the guy that I think is the best defensive player on this team. I think he's going to be a late first round pick in the NFL in the NFL draft that hasn't happened at Illinois in a long, long time. And without Taz Nicholson's ability to be able to at least have some experience out on that island, you're going to have some guys like Xavier Scott and guys like that way down the depth chart that have not maybe making their first career start in this Gator Bowl against a team that's going to throw it you know for 50, 60 times. And 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 Will Rogers is is going to be able to find matchups. Um, at least where my receiver is going to be more experienced than the guy that's lined up opposite of you. And I think they're going to have to use a lot more, uh, um, you know, zone concepts, which, you know, Ryan hated to do. Um, and I think that Aaron hates to do, quite frankly. It's it's it maybe a trial by fire for these guys so that they can see what it's going to be like going into next season and, and quite frankly, next spring. So I think the defensive side of the ball is, should be a major, bigger concern, but Again, you're taking Chase Brown out of the equation. And if you ask Barry Lunny, the offensive coordinator, his objective always was to get the football in the, into the hands of his best player. That would be Chase Brown. So I, I think that uh, I think that there's there's concern on both sides. But I think defensively, stopping that passing attack with guys that are redshirt freshmen and freshmen that haven't seen a whole lot of action is is something that they've they've anticipated because they didn't think Devin was ever going to play in this game but it's something that they've had to game plan for for about two, three weeks. You look at the Big Ten, the, the only team that really throws the ball the way Mississippi State does is Purdue. Sure. Uh, looking at the box score of that game, 31-24 Purdue, you covered that game. It looks like Illinois did a pretty good job of covering up Purdue's passing game. O'Connell only averaged 5.9 per attempt. He was 25 of 40 for 237 yards. He did throw three touchdowns in that game. It's obviously not the same Illinois team, but schematically, what did they do in that game to to limit Purdue to only 237 yards passing? Well, first thing they weren't going to do was let Devin Mockaby beat them. Um, we, we are not going to – I mean, the weird sounds – feels weird playing Purdue, but we're not going to let you run the ball and allow you to have second and medium, third and short, right? And, and we're not going to allow you to do that. The thing the box score doesn't say about that game, Brian, is that there were five pass interference calls in that game, some of which were legit, some of which were not. Um, there's a pass interference call against Spoon, who isn't obviously going to play in the game, where he picked the pass off and didn't touch anybody, and they called him for a PI. Um, Jeff Brown does a really, really good job of scheming it up to where, uh, obviously, Aiden O'Connell's not going to keep the ball in his hands for very long. Illinois was kind of hamstrung to Ryan's aggressiveness in that game because, well, if if you don't, as you know, Brian, offensively, if you don't want to get sacked, you're not going to get sacked. So uh, the ball came out quick, and that's why it was only like five, six yards you know, per per attempt because even completions you know, were only five, not more than 10 yards down the field. But when they wanted to take shots, they got PIs. And that was a big concern, again, because, you know, Taz Nicholson was was trying to play and he really, really couldn't. Um, and then you're, you're looking at, again, guys like Xavier Scott, guys like, uh, you know, some guys in that 2022 recruiting class that hadn't been seen a whole lot, um, but they were really, Aaron Henry has always been really high on, you know, they got beat a little bit um, in that game. 
And it was it was how Purdue was able to kind of take a lead and take a take control of that football game was was Aiden O'Connell's ability to to at least manufacture PIs and or try to get the short passing game to a really, really good NFL tight end in Payne Durham. And I think that's 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 how Purdue was able to scheme it up a little bit and use Ryan Walters' aggressiveness against him. Um, it'll be interesting to see how aggressive Illinois wants to get with its with its DBs because that's the thing that I think Ryan kind of took over with his Illinois defense is that not only were they tactically where, where you would want them to be, but physically with their corners, they were able to get get in your kitchen and basically get you off routes that they wanted you to run. Um, and I think that I don't know if they, they feel really, really good about all of their guys being able to do that because they just they they are so concerned about getting beat deep. And then you you factor in the idea that your 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 big veteran playing safety back there, Sidney Brown's not going to be there either. Um, the twin brother, twin twin Chase's twin brother is not going to be back there either. So you're going to have, have a new safety back there. Um, probably Keontae Curry, who's again a redshirt freshman, who they they like a lot, but they they certainly don't trust him as much as Sidney Brown's almost had fifty five, I think, starts in his Illini career. Um, so that's that's the quarterback of your defense. It's also not going to be there. So, yeah, I, 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 they they haven't seen it as much. They did a really really good job, I thought, against Virginia early on in the year of. of you know, being aggressive with their blitzes and getting Brennan Armstrong to the ground. But when they couldn't get home to the quarterback, there were issues. And I think that that could be an issue on January 2nd. One thing we always do, and you you know this, I know you've listened to the podcast, that we do the X factor when we do our, our previews. The guy who we think isn't, you know, the offensive or defensive player of the game, but somebody who can make a play. That seems like a pretty wide open description for this Illinois team because their, their offensive and defensive MVPs are probably guys who aren't playing. Who's somebody in this game that's maybe a little further down the, uh, the 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 public eye that could make a play in this game that turns it for Illinois? Well, I think if Illinois is going to play well, first of all, Tommy DeVito's got to play really, really well. This is the last game he'll probably suit up for the Orange and Blue, and I think he's got to play really, really well. The idea also is that you know they're going to try to get the ball, I think, to number one as soon as they possibly can, and that's Isaiah Williams. There, That's a guy that Alabama wanted at wide receiver for Florida wanted at wide receiver. A whole bunch of Blue Bloods wanted at wide receiver when he was coming out in the recruiting process. He wanted to play quarterback. That didn't work out. And finally, when Brett Bielema came to town, he said, hey, you're a wide receiver. And it's it's worked out pretty well in that slot receiver position. If they can get him in open space, I think that Isaiah can have a big day. On defense, there's a guy that I, I remember looking at when I covered the SEC, and I was like, okay, that works. That's NFL, and that's Gabe Yakis. If Gabe Yakis can get to Will Rogers and get him on the ground, he is physically the most imposing you know pass rusher I've seen in quite some time, and he was a freshman All-American for a reason. So I think he's a guy that can make a big impact on this game. And then interior-wise, you have the law firm, and I think they've got to get home. And then that's, that's Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph. And – Johnny Newton's going to have about 60 people in the stands, you know, born and raised in Tampa. Um, and I, I I am shocked that Johnny Newton actually is going to play in this game because I think he's a projected second or third round pick um, potentially in, in, the, in this coming draft. He has a potential to, as a defensive tackle, to really mess up, you know, what Mississippi State wants to do from a timing perspective. Um, and Keith Randolph's one of the best athletes I've ever seen in state state champion in basketball um, here in Illinois. Um, and I think he has a chance to put together a really, really good bowl game and have that be a momentum shift for him next year as, as a big-time pass rusher. So 
Um, I think that those are the guys that you're going to be looking at on, on both sides of the ball. The, the your major question is, is that, you know, obviously Chase Brown's not going to be there. So you're going to get a good, good sample of what Illinois running game is personnel wise is going to look like next year. That involves Reggie love, who, is a guy who is who has coming off a great game against Northwestern, but Northwestern's defense was terrible um, this past year. He's got to be able to get a good momentum game, that, you know, on January second to give these coach this give this coaching staff an idea that okay, we're going to be fine with Reggie Love and maybe a couple other dudes down the depth chart when when Chase hears his name in, in the NFL draft. So Brett Bielema is always going to want to run the football, and it's going to be a question as to whether or not if it's Reggie Love, if it's a healthy Josh McCray, who um, who's from Alabama and was a, fre- was a freshman All-Big all Ten selection last year but has dealt with injuries all year. Um, that's going to be the big question is the big X factor is who's going to run the ball for Illinois because they're not going to just throw it all over the parking lot once they get to Tampa because that's just not what Brett Bielema and Barry Loney have, have done all year long. First team to 30 wins. Oh, if, if Mississippi State gets to 30, Illinois is in trouble. I'm telling you that right now because Illinois' offense is not – one, it's not – it's not – it's obviously – it's not, you know, schemed up to play from behind. That was the big problem in the Purdue game. It was the big problem in the Michigan State loss that they had. Um, but if but if, Michi- if Mississippi State can, A, get off to an early start and get off to an early lead, and, B, get as close as they can to to 30. That's going to be huge problems for Illinois because I just don't think Tommy DeVito is – and this offense that Barry Lenny has schemed up for him is going to be capable of winning a shootout with Mississippi State. They've got to get off the field on defense, and they've got to control the clock and control time of possession. If they do that, Illinois has got a really good shot, I think, to win this football game. But if it becomes a shootout, I don't think Illinois is is set up to do that. I, I, the exact same thing is true about Mississippi State. So I expected a dirty, ugly, low-scoring game. We'll see what happens, though, uh, down there in Tampa. Matt Stevens, man, always great to talk to you. Glad to have you back on the show. Uh, enjoy Tampa and the new year, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. Do, do, you do that yourself, Brian. Good to see you. All right, thanks to Matt. We appreciate that. Good stuff there. And, uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, next, we're two days away. From uh, Well, I guess not two days away, three days away from our own preview of this game with the three Ps. It will be a very early Sunday morning podcast on New Year's Day. That'll be our happy New Year gift uh, to you guys out there uh, as we preview Mississippi State, Illinois. But tomorrow's podcast, we will be revealing the winners of the Robbies. You still have time to vote uh, to find out who the winners of the, of the prestigious four-fingered hand turkey will be for the 2022 year. So please get your votes in. And uh, we will reveal all the winners on tomorrow's show. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.